Welcome to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for digital agencies and freelancers who want to grow their business, earn more, and work less. Each episode, you'll hear from agency owners that are killing it, meet epic people that can help you along your journey, or just listen to me ramble on about something I think is cool. Head to agencyhighway.com for transcripts, action notes, and to join the community. I'm your host, James Rose. Now, let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by ContentSnare. ContentSnare helps digital agencies get content from their clients on time in the right format without email. If you've ever needed to get content from clients, you'll know how painful it can be. You end up constantly chasing them for weeks and months, and by the time it's ready, there's a 900 long email trail full of massive images and a couple of brochures from six years ago. ContentSnare makes this a thing of the past by collecting content from your clients in the right format the first time and does all the chasing for you. Try it on your next project by signing up at contentsnare.com. Welcome back to Agency Highway. And today I'm speaking with Robbie McCullough from Beaver Builder. Robbie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I got to get this out right away in that, um, you know, you're probably expecting this to be some kind of chat about uh, page builders or I don't know, like it's, it seems like the logical choice, but that is absolutely not what we are talking about today. Uh, and you're, it's probably refreshing for you, Robbie, to not talk about that. Is it? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We can talk about page builders, but no, it's, it's, it comes <laughs> yeah. up or, you know, it's been coming up like a lot is, uh, is Gutenberg, right? Like, and I'm sure. sure everyone is tired of hearing about that. Or at least <laughs> I hope, uh, yeah. And look, I mean, I can drop some other links to show notes because I know you've been on a whole bunch <laughs> of my friends podcasts about this exact topic. Um, I don't want to make you do the same spiel all over again. Um, in, in fact, when we were emailing, you said what's top of mind for you right now is remote work and digital nomadism, uh, running a remote team, trying to get stuff done when you're on the road. Uh, and that was perfect for me because uh, this came during the middle of a back and forth email exchange about trying to work out a time that worked for both of us because we were both remote at the time and it was a shit show <laughs> straight up on like, uh, it, yeah so and it's hard it's really hard to to work remotely and run a team and be there for the team and try and get stuff done when you're working on a laptop so man um, this is going to be a pretty relaxed chat pretty uh like we don't even have dot points man <laughs> this is uh this is awesome i'm gonna enjoy this so where do you reckon we should start like i've got so many opinions about this oh, you know i'm glad that it was not just one-sided and that you were traveling as well because yes yeah, so we had a bunch of i think we had maybe two or three times scheduled to do this chat and then something would come up on my end, or I, I think it was pretty much on my end <laughs> exclusively. Or no, maybe there was one where I was trying, I, I threw a few dates out there. But, but yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I had just got done with a, like a two-month uh, stint in Asia. I was traveling through Asia. And I've been working remotely for the last several years and have gotten pretty accustomed to that lifestyle. Uh, and it, was, it seemed like traveling around the United States and just kind of working on the road was pretty confident about it. But then the time zone change going from the States to Asia really threw a wrench into that. Um, yeah. And I've seen my confidence a little. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen people struggling with this cause I've, I did that nomad thing for a little bit in, uh, well, sorry, around other nomads a lot, um, in the last sort of six months. 
and I've been out to dinner or whatever and seen someone have to take off because I've got to get home for a team meeting or something and we're all going out to have a couple of drinks. And I think this happens because, well, I assume, uh, but they don't want to change the times on the rest of their team. You know, it's, it's kind of like your responsibility to actually make time for people who have a normal schedule <laughs> rather than being like, you yeah, know what, I'm not doing that time anymore <laughs> because I'm on a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if anyone's going to stay up till one in the morning to do a call, it should definitely be me. Right. Like, I'm, I, <laughs> although I should like say I, I was really fortunate to have the support of my business partners and my coworkers in, in kind of doing this trip. And there was a lot of flexibility on, on both ends. And I really, do appreciate that. I mean, I don't think it would have worked out um, otherwise. So that was that was really, really kind of uh, crucial, I guess. But then it was also a learning a learning curve too. I think when I first got started, um, even like the day change, right? Like going from the states to, to Asia, like you're you're in the future when you're <laughs> in Southeast Asia, right? And so I'm used to having a meeting on on Thursday, but then that would actually be Friday morning, or you know, there were there were times I kind of had to look at my calendar twice to make sure I was not only in the right time space, but the right day. And I think I made all the mistakes you could make too. like waking yeah. up the next day and be like, Oh my, I had that meeting schedule. Like, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's easy to do. I mean, I rely on my phone heavily for notifications on when I have to do meetings. Like, and if it's a, at one at a crazy time, let's say at like 10 PM, <laughs> I'll make sure there's a reminder that goes off at like 4 PM. So I'm still in the work day when I see the reminder and then I go, Oh yes, I gotta, I gotta not, you know, go get drunk or something. <laughs> yeah. But, That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I, I use like a do not, do not disturb window on my phone and I had to adjust that. It's usually like from 11 PM yeah. till, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. I just kind of turn off all notifications, but then that was, that was causing issues because these meetings would come up at like one in the morning and uh, I had to like turn off, off the, the do not disturb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you can let through a certain app. On, on do not disturb that might be worth investigating like because obviously you're not going to have calendar events in the night unless they really need it need to be there so you might want to allow that through if you can i think you can anyway um yeah before, before we get into remote like remanaging teams and and remote work is there anything you wish you knew before uh like traveling around and or being in a place working from a laptop like things you wish you knew earlier or things you've discovered that have made it easier for you um yeah definitely so one of the things that i did pretty i mean this might seem like obvious but i got a new app a new clock app for my map that's like a world world clock where I can put in whichever time zones like so both mm. I put in whatever time zone I was in and then I had a clock for San Francisco where a lot of our team was based I had a clock for London I had a clock for the Philippines that was like that was really really nice once I got that up and running because it gave a little bit of context to like both where I was but then when I was you know like pinging people on slack or trying to set up meetings um, having a better idea of where all of uh, like the time zone where all of our team was as well, which I wish I honestly, I wish I'd done that before, even when I wasn't traveling. Um, just so, so we have some people in the UK, we have some people in the States some people in the Philippines. Um, got a guy up in Canada, like we're all kind of spread out. Uh, and I wish I just had that working from home, knowing what time it was in each time zone. That, that context has been really, really nice. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Go ahead. 
So <laughs> I think I underestimated um, also like having like a nice, you know, so, you know, on Airbnb, one of the amenities you can choose is like a laptop friendly workspace. Yeah, I saw that recently. I don't use Airbnb much. And I was on there like booking like a, a three day stint away just to like brainstorm stuff for the business. Um, and I was like, hey, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it it is. So I've been checking that religiously now. I didn't really worry too much about it. Uh, but then, as particular, so I was in Japan in Tokyo, right? And the the apartments there are really, really small and compact. Mm. And I got a place, and I was like, oh, you know, I can work from like I can sit on a bed, or else like I'll make it work. You know, I don't need this. And then uh, I was in this this room where there was just like a bed and then like a mat on the floor. And I was trying tatami, to do like, work yeah. with the laptop on the floor. Yeah, the tatami exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> my back just started going out after like an hour and I was like oh man maybe I should have like splurged and like spent oh, man. 10 bucks on a room with just like a desk and a chair yeah and that actually well I mean that's like the classic Japanese style right so yeah that's that's one place where you definitely want to make sure you've got that box checked it reminds me of another thing when I was in Thailand not so much the small rooms but the the, the messed up back and neck this was yeah. like oh man like I did nearly two months over in over in Thailand with other nomads. And every time I went to a cafe, I was sitting there working on my laptop. And most other people would have some variety of uh, laptop stand, just like a little plastic yeah. one. Um, one, the roost is like the one most people have, but it's pretty expensive. Um, <laughs> it kind of sucks because of like, uh, I don't know if it's patent infringement or what, but then there's like a cheap Chinese ripoff. Um, like the roost is like a hundred bucks and the next stands like 30 or something. Um, and it's basically like a little tiny thing you pull out of your backpack, you fold open and you can put your laptop on it. Sounds simplistic, but, um, not having my neck pointed down towards the desk, uh, like hunched over all the time. Like I, I actually came back from Thailand with a really screwed up neck and back and um, I'm still dealing with that like four months later, um, you know, trying to fix it at the gym and with some like physio stuff. And so now I use uh, like even when I'm sitting out on my front deck with my laptop instead of on my main computer, um, I use that uh, with a little Bluetooth keyboard. I think I use the Logitech K380. Uh, which is a sweet little one for travel. It's tiny. Uh, that may, I wish, absolutely wish I knew that um, earlier. Have you, do you travel with a stand? You know, so my, my, my like loadout, as I see it called <laughs> often, uh, it has been changing and kind of evolving. Um, I don't travel with a stand, but I did, um, I have a second monitor, a travel monitor that's a oh, USB nice. kind of yep. portable monitor, like an ASUS. Uh, and then I would also, so the thing that got me with the stand is that then you also need to have the external keyboard. Yeah. Um, if you're going to like prop the, the mm -hmm. laptop up, then you need to have the external keyboard. And so I did, I, I was trying this whole, there's a whole subreddit community called one bag. And the whole premise is like, you do these trips out of just a single backpack. Uh, so I was trying to do that this trip. And so there was a lot of things that just didn't make the cut. Right? Like I, before I go on a trip, I usually just like put everything I don't want to forget. I'll start like a week ahead of time, just put everything in a pile, like a, a passport. So it's like in the pile, like, so I know when mm -hmm. a week later comes and I'm packing, I don't forget it. And so I had like my keyboard and my monitor and I had like camera tripods and like all this stuff that I was like, okay, I got to see if I can like how much of this I can fit into a single backpack. And uh, oh. so the keyboard didn't make the cut this time around. Man, I will um, pick a fight with that. Absolutely. Like, uh, uh, this is one thing I argue with a lot of digital nomads <laughs> about is like 
why? Why do you need to travel with one backpack? It's it's not like <laughs> I, I don't get yeah. it because it's so like it, every airline I fly pretty much includes luggage now because a lot of the cheap ones, the super cheap ones, I've just like realized like it ends up costing me more and like extra crap somehow or the experience just sucks so bad. So I pretty much just fly like Singapore Air because their prices are normally good and I get like twenty three kilos right, which I never use. I pretty much. It's yeah. always around 30 <laughs> kilos, my second bag, right? And I got stuff in there like a foam roller for like exercising and like you can put tripods in and still have all this <laughs> room for like, like my microphone, this microphone. I don't take the boom arm. Um, you know, I take a little desk stand mm-hmm. and I've just like, I just don't worry about what I'm taking. And it like, it's especially if I'm going to only a couple of places and like carrying like a 13 kilo bag is not a big deal. Uh, so like, I just don't get it. Can you pitch me why you want to travel with one bag? No, yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um, so again, this was kind of like a discovery trip for me on a lot of levels and (laughs) a lot of things. Um, so I, okay, I brought, I had a backpack and then I had this, uh, collapsible, it was like a packable little day pack kind of backpack. So just like little ones. Yeah. Tiny. And uh, yeah, so like when I was getting ready to get on the plane, I had everything that I wanted on the plane in the little day pack. Like I had my computer and my headphones, my iPad, like that kind of stuff in the day pack. But in theory, like I could pack it all into the big pack if I needed to. So, but then what I realized along the way is that like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a two bagger now, right? Like, oh yeah, I didn't ever actually put that second bag and like pack it all into the single pack. Um, and I appreciated having that extra space too. I did... I did really enjoy the experience of using a backpack as opposed to a roller luggage. Mm. Um, and I found myself doing a lot of like traveling around with the backpack and like going, you know, stairs or escalators, elevators, going on cobblestones or dirt roads or things like there was another, like I can specifically think of one time when I was in like one of the islands off Thailand um, we were changing from like one place to another and I was walking with my backpack and there was this nice, you know, a couple next to us that were tourists as well. And they're dragging this like heavy <laughs> roller bag through the sand. And it was like, oh. the, you know, like the wheels weren't rolling and it was just creating that like wake in the sand. And like, I just, it was oh. hot and they were sweating. Yeah. I, I, those, do, like, kinda, I like, do agree with that. <laughs> like it, it depends where you're going. Like, yeah, some places like in the more developing countries, like South America, I took a backpack and did everything out of a backpack and that was totally worth it watching people drag wheelie bags around was quite funny on some of these like terribly yeah. uneven surfaces. Uh, yeah. But I guess it depends where you're going and how heavy your luggage is too. You know, like, like a 13 kilos for me, like usually if I'm walking over sand or something, it's pretty easy to just pick up um, and, and not have to drag it. So yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends. Uh, we could talk about this forever, but um, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's interesting. No, I, I, all that to say, like, I'm not sold on it either. It's still like, there were times when I appreciate it. And there were times when I was like, ah, oh, you yeah. know, maybe I should just brought the roller bag. <laughs> and I always, um, forget that little pack up day pack. I've wanted one of those forever because uh, I go, I take my backpack, which obviously has all my valuables in it. Like, uh, you know, a passport <laughs> and laptop and, and keyboard and everything live in that. And then, if I have to, if I want to go out for a hike or something, I have to take all of that stuff out and put it somewhere else. I'm like, why do I keep doing this to myself? So that's another, another <laughs> good, good tip. I think is those little, uh, little packs. Um, um this that's funny. Made, sorry. 
Oh, you go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I could talk about packs forever. I spent way too much time like researching and thinking about backpacks, but it's probably not all that interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, go like, for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure there'd be podcasts and stuff dedicated to exactly this stuff because it's it's a very <laughs> passion topic for people that do this kind of thing. And and like, I mean, there's so many Kickstarter backpacks and nomadic things now you know like here's one shoe yeah. you can use for hiking and traveling and airports and they call them like yeah. travel shoes like it just looks like bloody sand shoes to me like sneakers you know they look the same yeah. <laughs> I, I blame i blame marketers like i blame my, it's my fault you know because we create all this buzz and it's the same for any industry too like if you look like into fishing there's like all you know like all the different things you could buy and the different lures mm. and the scents and the lines and like you know whatever the hobby is as soon as the marketers get a hold of it, then there's got to be like a million oh, yeah. different ways. To, I do, know, I do get it. The problem. Yeah, absolutely. I do get it with shoes though, man, because like <laughs> trying to do hikes, have some nice shoes to go out to dinner with and then like yeah. wear during the day. Like that's like three pairs of shoes. And then I want my flip flops as well. I was almost going to say mm-hmm, thongs, mm-hmm. but I remember that our audience are American and only Australians say thongs. And it means something very different in America. I would have, yeah, I would have, I would have, been able to like connect the context i think yeah <laughs> i think in the the worldly world we live in now it's uh it's getting that way i don't need to be as careful with the things i say people kind of pick it up <laughs> and i'm starting to get better at translating on the fly but yeah so like that can be like three to four pairs of shoes just to cover all my bases so i kind of get that anyway um it, this all got me thinking um because i know a lot of people seem to think they can't do remote work and i can imagine someone listening to this might have doubts and they're like, you guys both run products businesses, right? Like, of course you can travel. Uh, but I traveled a lot when I had an agency as well. Um, and I mean, it does change some things So, like, do you, do, have you come from an agency background? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, before we started Beaver Builder, we had myself and my two business partners had a small three-man web agency. Um, at that time, though, we weren't working remotely. We had an office together. So I haven't actually done client services work remotely, but okay. I do have experience. With yeah, because I just wonder, like, I mean, we probably should have spoken about this first and maybe I can even edit it to go first. But um, I, I think it just to sort of let people know that I mean, a lot of, there's, there's a lot of people that are going to say remote work is uh, like they couldn't make it happen. And this is true for a lot of people, you know, like families and that sort of stuff. Um, but that said, I also know some families like that was what blew my mind the most is when I was traveling, I saw actual families traveling together, like whether, whether they, you know, it was still like a, like a baby or a toddler that was not yet school age or a lot of people Mm -hmm. do sort of homeschooling stuff or whatever. I don't really know how that works. I just know that I've seen lots of people doing it and that it's possible. Some countries are really good for childcare. Um, I've heard quite a lot of uh, people uh, are moving to Puerto Rico apparently because of tax benefits and that. But um, a lot of the people I know moving there have kids. So um, it's, it's interesting that I think it, it's, it's easy for people to say, look, no, like I can't, I can't do that. Um, and, and it gets glorified a little bit. And that, that's what I want to kind of wanted to do at the beginning there is sort of say it's, it isn't as glorious as it sounds or like, you know, it's not like every minute you're sitting on the beach working. Like most of the time you're <laughs> in some bloody cafe somewhere trying to get work done on this like 13 inch laptop and it kind of sucks. 
um, or like the internet <laughs> sucks and whatever. But yeah. but there are like a lot of benefits. Uh, and I just see so many people say it's it, they couldn't do it. Um, but I think that's I just wanted to cover that. I guess it's a limiting belief in some ways. Like, um, and, and I think a good middle ground is also being able to travel for like some of the year, you know, like for me, three to four months is I'm done. I'm absolutely done after three to four months of travel in a year. And I don't want to be away from home any more than that. And I think that that really works for me. It doesn't have to be like, I, I met guys that had been doing it for six years. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God, like you feel yeah. like that, right? I'm like, to be honest, I'm just kind of getting started. Um, oh. I left my place at the beginning of this year. So in January, so it's been about four months that I have been, I have a room here at my folks house. I'm very, you know, grateful that they let me put my stuff here and I have a little bed in the corner, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I traveled a lot, but I was, I'm living in the San Francisco Bay area and I was paying, you know, rent here and it just felt kind of silly for, yeah. you know, I wanted to spend more time on the road. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, it's, it's, so I'm still kind of in that like exciting, like new eyes wide phase of it all. But likewise, I've met people, um, abroad that had been, you know, doing three years or five years and yeah, interesting to think. And maybe I had some conversations with like how that changes, you know, like when the thrill is gone, what does that look like? And yeah. yeah. And, and it means different things to different people, you know, like I've met a lot of nomads that basically don't actually travel. You know, they've got this, like the stigma, not stigma, like people assume that everyone who's a digital nomad is seeing all this amazing, cool stuff all the time. But I met a lot of people that would go to one town and stay there and barely move out of that town. You know, in my like two weeks there, I would see more than they've seen in like six months. Uh, But then there's the other side where people are just like every weekend, they're out there doing something new, finding a place to go. Um, you know, and they're still, they're still working the five days. And, and if they take a, a long weekend or something, then they'll make up for it, you know? And sometimes when you're out on this like remote island and laptops come out, you're like, oh man, like <laughs> you just can't escape. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's kind of tragic. Like, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it sucks, right? When you're in this like beautiful tropical paradise, but then you have to be cooped up in a hotel room. Like there were, I guess that was maybe like a struggle for me was that I was really trying to get my hours in and make sure that I was staying productive Mm -hmm. at work. But then there was always this pull to like, you know, I'm in this new place. I'm in this exciting area. I'd really like to, uh, you know, like be out there and and enjoying it Mm -hmm. and finding a balance there. And then interesting, like I had planned to spend a lot more time um, in in places and kind of settle in. But what ended up happening uh, was I I ended up kind of linking up with a couple travel partners and companions throughout the way that were on like a much quicker pace. Uh, So I ended up doing a lot more moving around than I had originally intended. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's really hard. As well as in Chiang Mai, which is kind of like one of the top kind of hubs mm. for digital nomads and a lot of people just set up that the, the cost of living is so inexpensive there that you really can just kind of set up and it's yeah people aren't aren't traveling they're not on vacation they just are you know in a spot that isn't their home and they yeah. they spend most of their time there yeah and for, for some people it's it actually the main reason they do it is cost of living and chiang mai is a great place to get to live like a, a king for uh very little money but also you know some things don't work as well as Western countries, which is always, which can be a little bit of a frustration, you know, like, yeah. yeah. But, um, I just want to put out a little, uh, question to listeners. Uh, if you are an agency that have 
done remote work, I would love to have you on the podcast and we can riff about like ways that agencies can do this um, just to sort of squash any, I guess, limiting beliefs in this area. Um, Because otherwise me and Robbie are going to talk forever. Um, So I would like to make this another episode. If you run an agency uh, and you work remotely or have at some point, please reach out to me. Uh, Just email... I'm going to go with james at contentsnare.com. I don't actually have an agency highway email address, so use the content snare one. Uh, yeah, and let's hook up and talk about uh, remote agency life because I know it can be done. Um, I've done it. So, yeah, um, and I think um, I'd like to move on now, Robbie, and talk about actually running a remote team, like some strategies you use to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything you want to cover just before we get off the topic of like challenges working remotely? Um, well, okay, yeah. One thing I guess that maybe I, I thought of when we were chatting is like, so this this cult kind of like digital nomad thing is an extension of me learning to work remotely or going back to this idea that like, you know, is it possible? I think I think before, so we decided to take our company um, from an office to to being distributed when my two partners both had children around the same time and they were kind of like outgrowing their places and they were looking outside of the Bay area for a place to settle down. Um, and I remember like very like being like having a lot of kind of concern about like, so I, I used to try like doing like online classes back when I was like in the college day and I was always horrible at it, you know, like yeah. I kind of needed that structure and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to like be able to do this. Um, but it's been like, so it's been a learning process and like mm-hmm. there, there, I think you see a lot of like the, like kind of glamorized ideas oh, and yeah. use of remote work, you know, the, the working from the beach with the palm tree <laughs> in the background kind of thing. But like, it's definitely I been like sure a- just on that note, I, every time I actually am working next to a pool, I make sure I take a photo and hashtag <laughs> yeah. douchebag entrepreneur or something. Ah, like, okay, nice, I, yeah. And a hashtag, I always work next to pools because it's like <laughs> the one time every three years it actually happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that's funny. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Like no, I'm gonna use. No, I'm gonna jump on that that hashtag with you too, because I always feel <laughs> a little guilty too. Like this isn't actually what my life is like. No. <laughs> absolutely. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah. Well, another thing I think is worth mentioning too is getting into routine as early as you can. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, that's the thing I always miss about home is like I, you know, going to the gym or something. So you've got to like find your gym that's like you know, the right price or whatever. Like I've got Chiang Mai in my mind here because there was like some (laughs) super expensive gyms and then some super cheap gyms that was super crap. And so I found like my middle ground and made sure like this is my schedule. I'll do it in the morning. I'll change my gym to morning because I know that there's going to be an event on every freaking night and I'll never get to the gym. Um, and, and getting the, all your routine down for the things you want to do, like ASAP, I think is, is really important. So then you're not spending your time working out where you have to go to get your breakfast or something. Yeah. Yeah. Routine, that, that, that makes me think too of like your work environment too. Like, like getting to a new spot, trying to find a cafe that has Wi-Fi or that has seats available. You, you waste a lot of time and a lot of kind of mental bandwidth getting those things set up. Yeah, pick um, a so doing it as go for it, like early as possible, back. and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, let's talk about managing remote teams. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, like this has oh, been a battle for me for a long time because I look. I'm going to be honest. I think I'm quite rubbish at at managing a, a remote team. Like we have. 
Uh, I mean, we've had up to, I think, eight guys in the Philippines when we were doing website stuff. Um, now, and I actually visited them uh, once. Uh, once, it should have been more. Uh, and then now we've got probably 10 guys spread across the world and it's actually very hard to get them together. And I think it's, it's very hard to have like a company culture um, or just like to get to know people when it's just text on a screen, right? Using like Slack totally. or whatever. Um, so do you have any tips for this? I mean, even video calls don't really do it justice. So we've been trying to put together like an all hands, you know, get everyone on the team together in one place at one time meeting. And we haven't pulled it off yet. Um, but actually, I so say yeah, I just went to the Philippines on this trip and got to meet our, our team out there. And like, you know, one of this like Ben I've been working with for over four years, had never met him in person. Um, so that was really cool. And there was just nothing that can compare you know, no, yeah. Like Slack message or, or doing a video call compares to going and like hanging out face to face. It makes such, such a big difference. You know, like uh, when we, when I went to the Philippines that, uh, we went on like a little boat cruise and <laughs> hung out for the day just on like some, cheap shitty boat um because that's all they really had we did that too yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally did some island hopping it was <laughs> it yeah. was really special yeah it was, yeah it was absolutely pairs you know and that they're all the like the best relationships i have with my staff or with the guys that i've met so um i know some people sort of split their their time up like that instead of trying to get everyone together they might do like go to the philippines and do the philippines all together and then somewhere else like like for me, I've got to probably get to, to Russia at some point because um, that's where a lot of our guys are now. Uh, and like I am ashamed to say I've had a guy with us for probably five years, maybe more. Um, and and I have not met him in person yet. And he's like so much fun. Like he's always like, come snowboarding with me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> one day. And then it just doesn't happen. So I mean, other than that, what about, like yeah. you said, your meetings don't cut it. I, I found in the past I didn't even do that. So I think that does make a big difference. It's very easy to, especially with development, it's easy for things to get away from you and not really know exactly what people are working on or if they're going down the wrong path, like something's been interpreted incorrectly. So I think those like chat, video chats and, and voice chats and whatever are, a necessity like i didn't do these for years like we literally started this in the last few months and i'm absolutely kicking myself for not doing that earlier mm-hmm. uh because everyone says you've got to do this and i'm learning you've got to do this <laughs> even if it's once <laughs> yeah. a week you know split up split up the chats like different teams because we got to a point where there's too many people on one chat yeah right? so you can uh, you can split that up. And I've also seen people do random one-on-ones. They literally use a tool that mm. generates random, <laughs> like connects two people on the team and says, you guys have to talk for 20 minutes or something. I, I don't know how that would go. That's kind of a fun idea. Yeah. So what do you guys do? Um, I like that random one-on-one idea. Yeah. Although it also feels like, like that's one of the tough parts too. Is like when I, I used to have a job, I worked for a big nonprofit and we'd do these big company meetings. You know, those like kind of forced like team building activities where everyone like writes yeah. down one of their hobbies and a post-it yeah, note and like, like puts it on their forehead and you're like this... Oh my God, this is yeah, so awkward and uncomfortable, right? Like, how do you like, but then you, you know, you kind of have to, you kind of like have to seed conversations sometimes. 
Um, oh yeah, and I think I think it might actually do that. Um, yeah, because if you just connected two people and and were like, now talk, <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, yeah. It's like, what's your favorite hobby or something like? But that's <laughs> you know, like it does seem forced and kind of weird in a way. But I think like maybe that's required because it does suck to not really like I've got there's plenty of people on our team because we've grown a lot recently that I honestly have no idea about and I need to fix that. Um, yeah. Like on a so we'll, one of the things that we've been doing that, that I really enjoy um, and I think is like work to kind of break some of those barriers down. So we have like a, a weekly meeting um, at the same time every week, but it's a completely like optional meeting. Like it's not a ah. uh, like forced thing. And then it's, it's also like for the most part, not, work related like ever like sometimes we, we kind of like like man we should really like get some work done or make these a little more productive but it, what it ends up being is just kind of like a chit chat um, everyone kind of says hi we ask how everyone's week's going like people kind of share stories one of the things too that we did that's like it, it sounds really silly but it's been like kind of become part of our company culture and it's become something that's been really fun is like and i don't even I, well actually i do remember how it started but what, what we'll do is like we'll take someone like we'll take like a goofy like picture and photoshop someone's face on it and like <laughs> It started, we were working with this guy, um, he was a designer, and I think one of my one of my colleagues was telling this story, and it was something about, like, I don't, I don't remember, it was, it was years ago, but, like, out of context, like, he was telling this, like, funny story about, like, something, like, embarrassing that happened to him, and then, like, he had this photo on Facebook of him just, like, making this really weird face, and so someone, like, I think it was, like, a Justin Bieber reference, maybe, so, okay, so maybe this was, like, so one of my partners, his name's Justin Busa. And Justin Busa on Twitter was a Justin Bieber USA fan account, right? So it was oh, Justin gosh. B USA. So and he was like kind of, I think he was like venting in Slack. He's like, man, I really want to get my Slack or my Twitter name, but it's this like fan account for Justin Bieber. <laughs> and then I think we started like Photoshopping him into all these like Justin Bieber, like fan, like, you know, he was like in the front <laughs> row of the crowd or he was like, you know, like had his hands around Justin. It was something like that. Yeah. And it just kind of like, it, it started off as a joke. And we all laughed, but then like every week we kept kind of like making these, these little memes and, or little photoshops and that's and perfect so it, it was a, it's, it's like a good icebreaker you know and it kind of like forces people to you know, like kind of make fun although it's usually like it ends up just being like a couple people like going after each other like we try to be <laughs> we try to be like you know like <laughs> no, one, no one gets too much of the brunt at any one one week but yeah and like i really value that too and i guess a lot of this depends on your your values and your company values but to me like that fun and lightness is really, really important. Like I don't like to be like, yeah. I guess super regimented and strict, which is a hard balance, right? Like some, some people kind of need, need- especially over chat and text, right? Cause that like chat can be misinterpreted or it, you, you lose that, that, you know, emotional, the body language, the you know, like trying to like kind of jab fun at someone or, or, or poke fun at them, or it, that can be really difficult to do, or you just shouldn't do it over text, right? Cause you don't know yeah. what that's, how that's going to respond. But that's also like a fun way to kind of get past that. You know, I mean, that's what I do with all my friends is we kind of like poke yeah. fun at each other, you know, it's, it, it breaks past that, you know, like, Oh, we work together. Like, yeah, oh, it, it helps it. And that's where the meeting in person would help so much. You know, like, you, yeah, you can, they can probably then more like now I've got like a, a voice and a person more so in my head associated with each person rather than just the text coming through, you know? Yeah. Um, so personality. That's, yeah. That's, it like, that's it. As great as video calls are, we were kind of the same way. Like we didn't do a lot of video 
chats with the whole crew until we did. And then we were like, wow, we should have done this a long time ago. Um, but I still like, I got to imagine those are like intimidating. I get intimidated by them sometimes, especially when you know, you've got like a bunch of faces staring back at you. It almost feels like you're giving like a presentation or like speaking in public, you know, and it's not nearly as like kind of loose or just that natural, like, you know, when you get people together in a room too, it's not like there's one person speaking to the group the whole time. You kind of branch yeah. out and you get those kind of small group conversations. Yeah. It, it, it can be super awkward at first. Cause like, <laughs> yeah, like what everyone's like, what are we doing here? What are we talking about? But, um, we had like a little bit of a structure where we just got everyone to have talk about like what something awesome that happened to them the last week. Um, yep. whether yeah. that's work related or not, it can be whatever. Um, and then maybe like a little update on their project and something that they need help with, you know, like that's, pretty much it we just get people like you know for me i'd always talk about like a maybe a marketing win or something you know so this is where we found we were breaking down as the developers didn't really understand what was happening on the marketing front um you know it was quite separate um so with content now i'd be like so we just had x and y clients sign up and they'd be like what like that's huge because we had like a, a really big airline sign up like a top 10 in the world airline nice. and and you know it was just like I just realized that the developers don't know this stuff and it like that's, that is exciting for them to be on a project that's being used by these large organizations. Um, and I was like, okay, now I need to start making sure the positive stuff flows through to them as well. Cause I'll, I'll be like, Oh, such and such customers got a problem. <laughs> and that's all they're seeing is like problem, 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 problem. And I'm like, wait, 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 <laughs> we just got some awesome feedback. Here it is. We just got some awesome feedback. Here it is. And then bringing those up in the meetings. Um, yeah. 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 It's, that's, that's a tough thing to do. I think it doesn't come naturally to a lot of entrepreneurs. It's always like, like, what can I do better? What needs to be fixed? How can I optimize this? But you got like, like taking a step back and celebrating your wins and celebrating yeah. them with your team as a team mm-hmm. effort that you know, went into getting it super important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, I, I think letting that positive feedback flow through is really good. Like for a long time, my business partner was like, Oh, everyone doesn't like content snare. And I was like, no, I literally filter the, the good feedback and only tell you what we need to fix. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. <laughs> Don't need you getting all big headed on me now, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was I going to say? Um, oh yeah, there's this cool tool that I haven't been able to use yet uh, because we don't use Slack. We're on a, an, another tool um, that doesn't have. This is I, I really want to get back onto Slack because of all the like extensions and cool things you can add to it. I know a lot of people in the digital nomad community is actually where I heard about it called Hey Taco, I think it is, and it's basically a way to give tacos this sounds silly but like to uh say that someone in the organization has done something good so it's like you might get 10 tacos a week to give away and you give the tacos to be like oh like bernie this week did like this really cool thing so she's getting like five of my tacos and then like (laughs) you know robbie gets two or whatever and you give out the tacos and they can actually cash in those tacos for rewards so it might be like, I don't know, half a Friday off or something or a day off. Like they literally might give time off for like a lot of tacos or huh. it could be like little rewards um, based on how many tacos they get. So like, I think that's quite cool. And it like, automates it. This this tool automates it into Slack and being like, you know, uh, it's time to give out your tacos or whatever for the week. So like that to me seems really fun. And it's like, because it's tacos, it's ridiculous. So it's also 
extra fun. You know, I really yeah. love that idea. Who doesn't like tacos, right? <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure they're hard shell tacos in the icon, which is just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I take, I take back what I said. <laughs> it's pretty hard to have a soft shell taco in a picture, in an emoji, though, I think. Man, I miss tacos. It's, sorry, this is totally unrelated. But that was like the first thing I did when I got back to the States. It's like, I got to get some Mexican food. <laughs> um, but, but no, I love that because it's like, especially as a team grows, not everyone is in tune with what everyone is working on. I remember that was one of the struggles I had like years back. It was like, I wanted to like know what was going on everywhere and I wanted to be involved in everything. And like, not so much in like, I hope not so much in like a micromanaging sense, but just mm-hmm. like, I, you know, it was like a curiosity and I wanted to just like, I wanted to have an understanding of everything that was happening just so I could make better decisions and, and whatnot. But then, yeah, as, as your teams grow and people are working on different things, like you're not going to notice a good job that someone is doing on something that's not, you know, related to what you're working on. Or it gives yeah. the opportunity for your team to kind of highlight each other and, and, and yeah, surface and things that other people are help. doing that they think are impressive. I like that yeah, a lot. And especially like if they help each other, like if someone's really helped someone out that week, it, it really acknowledges that, you know, like it might, it's an easy way to acknowledge it too. Uh, Cause that's, you know, and might even encourage, I haven't used it, so I can't say for sure, but maybe it encourages people to help other people if they a little, little reward there for them. Right. Yeah. But, but what you were talking about there in, in like knowing what people are up to and, and managing that, like that is exactly the next thing I wanted to talk about. So I think that's a good time to transition exactly. into that because like this is, I guess it's a common fear with remote teams. I mean, even, even with me, I've been, we've had a remote team for, Oh man, like I'm so old, like a long time, um, <laughs> <laughs> like probably eight years or something now. Um, but it's like, how, how do you manage knowing what people are up to? And, and then a side note of this is like making sure people don't get away from you. Like this is something that happened to us is we got so busy with, with one project that we kind of lapsed on some developers and they ran on this task or like this project that just got way out of hand and the code was bad and like we had to redo a lot of it. So like, do you have any advice on staying on top of all this, knowing who's up to what and, and you know, managing the actual work they're doing? Yeah, that's, I feel very fortunate um, that like we, we've got a, rock star team and i always like when i think about this um wonder why and how it all came together i mean like so for for a while um when we were so so like we started the first hires we brought on for our company were in support um Mm -hmm. that was where we started kind of like getting overloaded it started off with just like the three of us were answering support and like we had like a shared email inbox right and so and this is when we were in an office too so we'd be like oh like an email came in like i'll get that one and like you get that like we quickly kind of like outgrew that like raise your hand and be like i got this one yeah um but so yeah we we brought on uh, a few support kind of team members first and then we were using what was the name of it? I think it might've been like, I don't think it was toggle, but it was something like toggle. It was a time track Mm. tracking app. And it was one of those ones that was like, it was kind of invasive, right? Like it would actually like take a screenshot periodically through, or maybe it was like, I think we were using Odesk at the time. Yeah. Right. uh, Or Elance or whatever. I think it rebranded at some point, but yeah, they, so their time tracking app would actually like take a random screenshot a couple times an hour. So there was that kind of like accountability. Um, But that felt very like kind of big brotherish or like once we got past this point of like, 
you know, especially too, like we were growing at that time. Like we, we kept having to add more and more people to our support team because the tickets would just pile up. So like mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning and we'd have, you know, an inbox full of tickets. And then at the end of the day, they were gone. Like we were kind of able to, like, it, it was really obvious that, that people were getting their work done because, you know, the tickets just kept flowing in. Yeah. Uh, but we, we like quickly moved away from that sort of like the screenshot. Like now uh, I think almost exclusively everyone kind of tracks their own time and sends us, you know, like an invoice or a, or a, or it's, it's, it's not, it's all automated and it's all kind of trust based. Um, well, they send then, you an invoice. So most of your team contractors. I think, you know, it's, I don't know if it's an invoice or just like, if there was like, I think we, <laughs> too bad my partner's on, on the, uh, yeah. on one. my partner, Billy, cause he actually handles like the payroll and all of that. Right. We do have some contractors and we do have some full-time employees. Yeah. Um, and then cool. some are, are paid hourly and then some are paid like a fixed, you know, retainer based on a certain number of hours. So like if they meet the hours or not, we might need to like adjust things, but, but yeah, there's no more like, like screenshots or even like, I don't think we're even using like time tracking apps anymore. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think what what we've had success with since this is is kind of peer reviews. So especially like he, this the a classic code thing, um, yeah. you know, where like all the code that gets done, we have a process in um, Jira uh, in our project management system for development where um, once someone's finished writing some code, that the, the code for that issue gets put into a peer review section. Well, actually it goes through some automated tests first and then it gets tested by like either there's like just another like either their manager i guess like the lead developer or even just someone else on the team just to make sure it's all in order uh and, and it's like you know done with best practices or whatever and then we have like a review where we actually like my business partner who is essentially like the lead lead developer um will quickly check it over and like you you hit you said something there like you've got a rockstar team and i think that is i mean that's always going to help uh, and and the reason we kind of ended up in this trap is because we had to grow really fast for one particular mm. project. Um, like we had to hire like four people in two weeks or something. Uh, and that meant that our standard, I guess, uh, checks on people yeah. sort of failed. And we ended up with a developer who was a bit off. You know, he was just not best practices, basically. And, but then this is the problem in development, as many people listening would know is like when you have a, a, like a quote unquote bad developer, um, it's not like a VA or something where you just don't get as much work done or it's you like, it's, it wrecks a lot of stuff, you know, yeah, <laughs> really yeah. bad news if you get a bad developer. <laughs> That does resonate because I guess in the, reversely, like we didn't grow, like we, we grew quickly, but we didn't hire very quickly or we were never in a position where, or rarely in a position where like we have to hire someone immediately. Like we need to get someone, like, mm. we had, I guess the luxury of kind of taking our time and, and having a lot of time to kind of sift through. Well, that's important. That's very important. Like to, to really check out, like to make sure like hire, what do they call it? Say hire slow, fire fast. And yeah. I think that checks out because I mean, every time we have to hire quickly, there's someone we have to get rid of quickly as well. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. I guess we've also been fortunate too. A lot of our hires have come through our network, um, both like the Beaver Builder network and also our network kind of of friends that we've made in the WordPress space. Or like actually, so like like I mentioned, Ben, he was our first hire. Uh, that I just got to meet him out in the Philippines. Our yeah. second hire was his brother. Yes. Um, so like we got to this point where we were like, Hey, like we need to like bring someone else on. And he's like, well, Hey, like my brother like might be available. Do you want me to ask? And like, 
that was cool. And uh, referrals are huge, absolutely huge. I know James Remco talks a lot about this. He's a business coach. Uh, I guess that's the the term, um, uh, Australian guy. And, you know, he's had a remote team forever. Um, and this is one of his biggest things is um, like, that's how he's built most of his team is through referrals and friends and whatever. And yeah. That, and especially if you've got someone to vouch for someone else, you know, like that's, that's kind of a big deal. And you might even pay a finder's fee. I know, I know some people do that. Sure. Um, which, yeah, it's a great way to, to build a team, I think. I, I guess maybe I, f- I feel like, I, I hope this, I hope this is like entertaining for your listeners, not to like break the third wall here. Right. But like, I guess maybe like one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is just, or one of the things maybe I felt guilty about when I first got started was like going to like conferences or like networking events, you know, like there's one we were doing every year called Cabo Press. Uh, oh, nice. I really want to go to that. <laughs> it's, it's a great one. It's, I highly recommend it. Um, but when we, I remember when we first found out about it, we were kind of looking at each other like, okay, so we're going to go like, we're going to spend this money to just go like lounge out in Cabo for a week. Like, is there really like ROI here? Or is this just kind of like a tax write offable vacation? Oh, you know, like well, there was like a little bit of guilt that came along with like doing conferences, especially because I have a lot of fun doing those you know you go to the after party you meet some people you have a couple mm-hmm. of drinks like you go to dinners um but building out the network i think uh has been has been one of our kind of major sources of, of both just like having people promote us in the community or like getting the word out about our products meeting people hiring people um yeah i, I don't feel guilty about it anymore just in hindsight seeing how much value it's brought like hitting the streets and meeting people face to face and oh growing yeah, that ab- network. absolutely yeah network is is super important as well and that's where a lot of um hires come from you know like i literally two days ago my, my big task this week like i I learned this like strategy to, to just really focus on one large task a week. Right. And that was, to me, it was, you know, you do lots of other stuff as well, but one overarching thing. And that for me this week was hire a writer to work on some okay. content snare content strategy stuff. And um, I needed someone who had experience in like enterprise level content strategy for large organizations. And um, I was, I put out a message on two paid forums that I'm in dynamite circle, which is a, um, uh, digital nomad kind of community. Um, and then, uh, a, a super fast business, which is James Shremko's and then on Facebook, literally mm. because I connect with so many business owners on Facebook and I had to delete those posts within like two hours because which, I had which the forums or the Facebook all of or them. all of them. All because <laughs> I had so many messages. Yeah. Or, or be like, sorry, guys, we're, we're done now. Um, we've got someone because yeah. someone in my network who I've met a few times in person, one time, you know, I met her in the, like, I met her here, but, you know, I've hung out with her in the Philippines at a conference and stuff like this. And it was just like immediate, right? I was like, and she was absolutely perfect. So um, being able to, like, rely on your network, like, this happens all the time. And it's funny you say that with Carbo Press, like, you, is this kind of ridiculous, like, spending all this money to go and sit around in a pool? That's literally my first big conference experience was this one in the Philippines. It was called mm-hmm. Tropical Think Tank, No Longer Runs by Chris Ducker. And um, it was, like, 50 people. It's small as well, right? And yeah. it was still the best conference I've ever been to because it forces you to make these really good connections with a few people who have also spent a whole bunch of money to be there. I literally wrote a blog post about this yesterday. I'm like spending money on conferences is a bloody good thing. Yes. Um, all the best connections come from there. Um, and yeah, like 
I mean, and I got plenty of good work out of there because uh, when we were building websites and stuff at the time, we we had clients who had money. So, you know, I easily paid for the ticket, as which might not necessarily be the goal, but the network I've got from that is insane. Like I, I had someone come over and we all hung out in an Airbnb. Three of us just got an Airbnb for like four days and we just worked together. You know, these are the connections that happen at those events and they're like, you build this up over time and, and next minute you put out a Facebook post and get your ideal person within like an hour or two. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to quantify, right? Like, cause it doesn't, yeah. you know, like directly like you can't see your revenue line, like go up after you go to a conference, but then no. there is all this like kind of intangible value that, that comes from it. And I totally agree too. Like the, that idea of like spending a few days with someone as opposed to just like, you know, like meeting someone fleetingly at a, at a like a, yeah. Like Pablo Press is a lot like that. Like it's, it's small 30 to 50 people. You spend a week together, you get an opportunity to like scratch the surface and kind of get past the small talk phase with mm. just about every single person there and actually kind of get into the meat of who they are and what they do and, and develop. A- well, yeah. And if, and if you're at a, like a 300 plus person conference or like these big ones, like the, the social, sorry, social media marketing world where it's like literally thousands of people, you're going to get to know like, like a hundred people not at all, you know, like, yeah. oh, here's my card. What can we do for each other? Okay. Next. Yeah. And you forget their name by the time you get home. <laughs> Whereas like, like these other ones, these intimate conferences, you actually make really good friends like that can help you out. It's, it's insane. Like I can't um, overstate the value that comes from these things that has for me anyway. So, Oh man, we have covered some stuff. <laughs> I think I think we should wrap up because we're nearly we're nearly getting to the hour point. Not many Aren't not many not? of these get to an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, this yeah. is. Um, yeah, that was that went by really quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we could easily keep going about this. I think hopefully uh, we've got you thinking, guys, uh, listeners. Uh, there's no third wall, by the way. Like I talk to <laughs> people who are listening all the time. You listener, um, <laughs> uh, hopefully this made you think about some stuff around. You know whether you would travel um i'd like to hear from you actually if you think that you couldn't travel for some reason um and you know and and maybe we can have a chat about it um and like i said if you're an agency that has done some remote work uh and some sort of traveling around while you still build your business please let me know because i want to talk about how you did it um to show the other people that it can be done as well bonus points if you've got a family because obviously that's Mm. one of the probably hardest parts i would imagine because i don't have one yet yeah yeah um, same here yeah <laughs> I, know, I know that i know that complicates traveling from my my two business partners who who do have families and trying to, to absolutely yeah but i have seen a lot of families now that do travel like i've seen it enough where i'm like i know other people are doing it i don't know how they manage it but um, yeah yeah, yeah. Kudos so yeah man robbie thank you so much for joining me there's a lot of stuff in this episode. I think it was really good chatting with you, man. Likewise, James, I really appreciate the opportunity. This was a fun one. Thanks for letting me kind of share some of the, the personal stuff as opposed to just going all, you know, page builders, yeah. Gutenberg, WordPress. Yeah. So on Gutenberg, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> another, another hour later. Nope. Let's not do that. I'll, uh, you can go and search for Robbie McCullough. Um, podcast or something and i'm sure you'll find a whole bunch of they're out there yeah (laughs) awesome well everything we've talked about i will uh, link up in the show notes um and yeah so again robbie thanks for joining me 
and I will see you guys in the next episode. If you'd like to follow Robbie on the socials, uh, check out his both Instagram and Twitter. The handle's the same on both, Robbie McCulloch, and that's R-O-B-B-Y-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H. I'll link these up in the show notes, of course. If you would like your chance to win a year-long license to Content Snare, please leave us a review, leave Agency Highway a review on either iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you're using. Uh, send it, Take a screenshot and send it to support at contentsnare.com and you will go into the draw. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.